Well, good morning. Great to see you all. Good morning, everybody online. Happy New Year, right? Woo. Yeah, Happy New Year. You know, the start of a new year is kind of an interesting time. Um, yeah, you could say that in reality, nothing has changed, right? We've just flipped the calendar from one month to the next, December to January. But the old year is behind us, and we've got this new year ahead of us that's like full of potential, untapped potential, just waiting there. So every new year is a kind of a crossroads, you could say. We've been walking down this one path for the past year, and now we're at this intersection. We don't know for sure where the new year is going to take us. So, so New Year's a great time to take stock of, of where we've been and think about where we want to go. It's a great time to think about our relationship with God. You know, how are we doing as followers of Jesus? Are we being faithful to live out the call uh, to, to be his disciples and walk by the Spirit and trust in God's love and be faithful to the purposes he has for us? What is God inviting us into now? All good questions to think about. I love what Jeremiah 6 says uh, where he writes, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. Great verse. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. So what's the good way that Jesus is inviting us to walk as we begin this new year? Well, something I've been praying for uh, over the past few weeks is that, that God would increase my hunger for him. You know, my hunger for his ways. Yeah, I don't want to just do what God wants me to do. I want to hunger to do what God wants me to do, right? There's a, there's a difference there. You know, I want to hunger to walk those ancient paths where the good way is. And I, I want that for all of us. Well, after wandering in the desert for 40 years, Israel found themselves at a crossroads too. You know, Moses had died, Joshua had been appointed the new leader, and they were about to enter the land of Canaan. They had no idea what was ahead of them. But they did know that God had promised this land to Abraham and Abraham's descendants centuries before. And God is always faithful to keep his promises. Uh, they'd learned that in the wilderness. And they also knew that God had promised to give them this land, not only for their own sake, not only so that they could be blessed, but also so that they could be a blessing to the whole world. They've been blessed to be a blessing. So as we start this new year, we're going to spend seven Sundays teaching from the book of Joshua, which is all about Israel entering into the land that was promised to them so that they could fulfill the purpose God had for them. And we want to see what Israel's crossroads experience has to say to us. Uh, because just like Abraham and just like all of Israel, we've been blessed to be a blessing too. And that's what we're calling the, the sermon series, Blessed to be a Blessing. And, and what I'm hoping is that as we're in this, as we're looking at it, as we're talking about Joshua, that it stirs in us that hunger for more of God, hunger for his ways, hunger for the ancient past. So that's where we're going. Sound like a plan? Yes. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit and be at work in us. Um, we just open ourselves to you. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that your grace is just 
flooding us right now. Lord, you flood us with your grace, and we receive that. And we want to, uh, want to let that grace stir up in us, that hunger for more of you. And I pray that you do that even today as we begin looking at Joshua. So, amen. So this is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. How would you like that to be your title? Moses' assistant. <laughs> Whatever. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness of Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. Well, the Bible is a collection of uh, various types of writings, as you may or may not know. It, it contains letters, it contains prophecies, it contains gospels and poetry and wise sayings, and it also contains books like Joshua that are primarily what is called narrative history. It's telling the story of what happened. And it's telling the story of what happened not just because it happened, but because what happened matters. You know, it mattered to the people back then, but even more, it matters to the generations that follow, and that includes us. God wants to speak into our lives and into our time through what happened back in Joshua's time. Now, of course, it's good to remember that Joshua's time was a long time ago. Now, his world and his culture were very different from ours in some ways. The events of Joshua happened during the 13th century BC, right at the beginning of the Iron Age, if you're into history. And, and, th and that was a pretty brutal time. So we have to be careful not to judge an ancient culture by 21st century standards. God always meets people where they are, right? He met the Israelites and Joshua where they were in the beginning of the Iron Age. And neither should we think that, that everything that's going on in Joshua is a model for how we're going to live today. That would probably be a bad conclusion. Huge mistake. But we can learn much from this book. Uh, Joshua didn't write the book of Joshua. That's obvious as, as you're reading it because it makes references to things that happened after Joshua. Uh, so he didn't read it. The Bible doesn't tell us who wrote it. Uh, most Bible scholars think it was probably passed down orally until the time of the kings uh, and then maybe written during the reign of King David, probably around 1000 BC, so uh, more than a couple hundred years after it happened. So remembering that this is an ancient book and knowing a little bit about the world and the culture of that time is going to help us as we move through Joshua and try and hear what God wants to say to us through it. In the last chapter of Deuteronomy, we read about the death of Moses. And then Joshua 1 picks up right from there and it continues the story. Israel had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They, they'd been on their way to the land that God had centuries earlier promised to give to Abraham and his descendants. 
And now they were on the cusp of entering the promised land. God had spent those 40 years teaching Israel how to trust him and depend on him and how to obey him and worship him. God had also been teaching them, like I said earlier, that that he didn't choose them and bless them just for their own sake. Israel was chosen and blessed so that all the world could be blessed through them. Just like Abraham, they were blessed to be a blessing, which has a lot to do with why God chose that particular piece of real estate uh, as the promised land for Israel. This wasn't just a crossroads time for Israel. This was, they, they were also being put by God into a crossroads place. So there's a map here. This is from uh, Bema Discipleship Podcast, a little shameless plug there, like Erica, um, for uh, uh, the Bema Podcast. Great podcast to listen to if you want to get a, the story of the Bible. Um, but this is from there, and it shows you know, that part of the world. And I think it's really helpful for seeing what I'm, I'm talking about. See, God could have picked anywhere he wanted to to be the promised land, right? He's God. He can pick whatever he wants. He could have picked a more comfortable place for, for the promised land, for Israel to be. The land of Canaan there, right, where it says Israel, kind of in the, the lower right center, um, it's in the middle of a huge region of deserts. You know, much of the land of Canaan is hilly, it's rugged, it's pretty dry, there's deserts all around it. There are certainly places God could have picked that would have been better for farming, for agriculture, um, you know? And there also would have been places he could have picked that were more tucked away. If you look at where Israel is located there, you've got Egypt on one side, Assyria, Persian, Babylon on the other, and then desert down there where they can't do anything anyways. But they were right in the midst of these giant empires that tended to like gobbling up smaller nations. But making Israel comfortable wasn't God's highest priority. It's not his highest priority for us either. Have you noticed that? God chose Israel to partner with him, not just for Israel's own sake, but so that the whole world could be blessed through them. So he picked a land for Israel that was right smack dab in the middle of everything, right in the middle of Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and Persia. The Greek and the Roman empires would later be in this area too. So he was right in the midst of the major empires of the world. That yellow line that runs through the map there is called uh, the Via Maras. It's an ancient road. It was the ancient trade road that ran, as you can see, from Egypt up to Babylon, two major empires. And it passed right up the Mediterranean coast, right through what would become the land of Israel. There was another major trade road. It's not on the map, but it crisscrosses right in Israel. It was called the King's Highway. Uh, so passed right through Israel as well. Well, much of the commerce of those empires, and so lots and lots of people from all different kingdoms and cultures traveled along those routes. The promised land really was at the crossroads of the earth. Well, that meant two things. First of all, it meant Israel would interact with all sorts of people and have all sorts of opportunities 
to be a blessing to the whole world just because of where they were. Perfect. But it also meant Israel would have to trust God and depend on God and be faithful to God. I mean, Israel was a small, vulnerable people compared to Egypt or Babylon or Assyria. It would be easy for those other empires to sweep in and conquer Israel. And it would also be easy for for Israel to be seduced into becoming like those other kingdoms and get caught up in all of their idolatry and lose their ability to be a blessing to the whole world. Their only hope would be trusting God and depending on God so that they could be faithful to God. Their only hope, which is exactly what God wanted for them. Because trusting God is the only way we become like God. And that's the only way. Becoming like God is the only way we can be a blessing or they could become a blessing to the whole world and experience God's shalom themselves. So God gave Israel this particular piece of land right at the crossroads of the earth. Well, Jesus said that we, his disciples, his church, we're the light of the world, right? That's what he told us. In other words, just like Abraham and just like Israel, we have been blessed to be a blessing. We've been chosen by God. We've been redeemed. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit, not just for our own sake, but so that we can partner with God and be a blessing to the whole world. And, And I think you could say that God has placed each of us, all of us, at a crossroads too. I mean, that's always been true. I mean, we've always been living, you know, in the world, but, but maybe it's more true today than ever. We all live and work and shop and play and go to school in a world that is becoming more and more post-Christian, right? Our lives intersect with all sorts of people. So we have all sorts of opportunity to be the light of the world and to be a blessing to those around us. But we also have all sorts of opportunities to be tempted and seduced by and even conquered by the powers of the empires around us, by the empires of greed and lust and fear and cynicism and hatred and division and all of the rest. Our only hope is trusting God and depending on God so that we can be faithful to God. And that's a good thing because trusting God is the only way we become like God so that we can be a blessing to the whole world and experience God's shalom ourselves. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know, in other words, that they are totally dependent on God. That's being poor in spirit. Totally dependent on God. No hope apart from God. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who hunger and thirst for the ways of God. For they shall be filled, Jesus said. They will experience shalom. So, Lord, give us that hunger. Amen? Give us that hunger. 
Right from the beginning, before Joshua had done anything, God made it clear that entering and uh, possessing the promised land would be all about trusting him. And God made it clear that the reason Joshua could trust him was because God would always be with them. And this is uh, verse 5 of Joshua 1. It says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. I will not leave you or abandon you. I know I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Because I think for me, it's such a great picture of what God wants us to know. You know, when I was pretty young, I was maybe five or six, seven years old, something like that, I went pheasant hunting with my dad one day. Uh, And we were hunting this cornfield, which is how we hunted pheasants back then. And my job was to walk down one of the rows of corn a few rows away from my dad and scare up the pheasants so that they would fly and he could see them and shoot them. So I realized later I was basically his bird dog. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you've ever walked through a cornfield, but when you get out a ways into it, all you can see is corn stalks, right? That's all you can see. So I was walking down this row, and I got somewhere into the middle of the cornfield, um, and and corn stalks is all I could see. They were towering over my head. I mean, I was probably only this tall, but they were towering over my head, and and I couldn't see out the field in either direction because I was so far into the field. It must have been a big cornfield. And so I'm out there, corn stalks all around me, and I suddenly felt lost and trapped and alone, and I freaked out, right? I I must have started yelling. I started yelling or screaming or something, and and right away, my dad comes crashing through the corn stalks, running to get me, probably wondering, you know, what had happened to me? How did I hurt myself? And, And when I told him then why I was scared, he said, you didn't need to be afraid. I knew right where you were all the time. I was always close by. I've never forgotten that. Well, I've been thinking a lot lately about how what we need more than anything is God's presence. What we are to trust in more than anything is God's presence. You know, Moses had learned that lesson. There was a time during those 40 years in the desert when Israel had messed up again and and God said, I'm not going to go with you anymore right? I'll send my angel with you. He'll go with you from now on, but, but not me. I'm not going with you anymore. I've had enough. And Moses said to God, if you don't go with us, God, we can't move. An angel isn't enough. We can't do this without your presence, which I'm sure is exactly what God wanted Moses to realize. God wanted Moses to trust in his presence. So as Joshua prepares to lead the Israelites, God promises his presence. Having God's presence meant, of course, that God would be with them. But it means more than that, too. It means that God would protect them. It means that God would care for them. It means that God would empower them to do 
everything that he wanted them to do because God's power is found in his presence. God wanted Joshua to trust in his presence. We live in a world that uh, sometimes seems like it has gone crazy. There is so much uncertainty, so much confusion. You know, whether we're talking about politics or the economy or sexuality or crime or war or climate or whatever, I mean, talk about living in a crossroads time, right? When we don't know what lies ahead. It can feel like we're out in the middle of a cornfield, all we can see is corn stalks, and we want to freak out because we feel like we're on our own. But what did Jesus promise us? Same thing God said to Joshua. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. When will he leave us or forsake us? Never, Never, right? My presence will always be with you. Which means if we're Jesus' disciples, then God is always with us to protect us and to care for us and to empower us to do everything that he wants us to do, which includes being a blessing to all of those around us as we live here at the crossroads. God wants us to trust in his presence. And can I just add here that, you know, if you're here today, if you are not a disciple of Jesus, you know, you've never maybe surrendered your whole life to him, That's what Jesus is inviting you into. This is what Jesus is inviting you into. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing in the world. He wants you to be a part of making all things new. He wants you to be a part of bringing God's life and God's love to everyone. He wants you to be blessed to be a blessing and having his presence in you and with you now and forever. That's what Jesus invites us into as his disciples. So if you're not a disciple of Jesus yet, you can become one. Just pray, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I receive your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. Jesus, I open my life to you. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit so you will be with me forever. And then you come and tell me about that later so we can help you start on the journey, right? So, good invitation. Verses 6 and 7 say this. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. It's important to remember that this command in uh, verses 6 and 7, to be strong and courageous and to do everything Moses had commanded them to do, that command flows out of verse 5. This is not God saying, buck up, buckaroo. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be such a wimp, you know. Find the strength within yourself or be true to yourself or just do it. No, this is God saying, trust in my presence. I'm going to be with you 
even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Your strength and your courage doesn't come from looking at yourself and what you can do. He's saying it comes from knowing that I am with you. It comes from trusting God and what God can do. It's from trusting God's presence, right? So how are we supposed to remember that? Do you ever, do you ever do that? I mean, you're here, it's like, yeah, this is great. I believe that. I, I'm all with you. And then tomorrow something happens and it totally goes out of your mind, right? How are we supposed to remember that? You know, when we're living at the crossroads, when we have so many voices talking at us all the time, so many messages trying to pull at us and influence us and even seduce us into the ways of the world around us. How do we remember that God is with us? How do we remember to trust in God's presence and depend on his presence so that we can be faithful to God? Verses 8 and 9 say this. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He said, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Now, Joshua must have been able to read, which was probably unusual back then, and he had some form of a book, the very first edition of the Torah. How would you like to have your hands on that? That'd be cool. Uh, Yeah, the laws that God had given them in the desert. Yeah, but this was the 13th century B.C., like I said. Most of the Israelites, I'm sure, did not read. Uh, And even if they did, it's not like they had Bibles, right? They didn't have scrolls. There's like probably one scroll that, Joshua had, but they had heard God's law, and they had heard the the stories of God's faithfulness to to Abraham and Isaac and and Jacob. They had heard the stories of God's faithfulness to their parents and their grandparents who had been delivered from slavery in Egypt, and they had heard God's laws. They had heard the stories of God's faithfulness, and they thought about it all. And they memorize those stories and they memorize those laws and they meditate on them and they talked about them with each other. And that is how they could remember and remind each other that God was with them so they could trust him there at the crossroads of the earth. Well, just like Joshua and Israelites were on the cusp of uh, entering into the promised land, you know, and they didn't know fully what to expect. Uh, but they believed they were following God into what he had for them. Well, in the same way, I believe we are on the cusp of entering into a new season. We're at a crossroads. You know, God is up to something. And we don't know fully what to expect. But God is leading us. The craziness of our world is not a sign that God has abandoned it or given up on it or that evil has won. It's a sign that the ways of the world don't work. Trusting in money and power 
and sex and self doesn't actually end up producing a life of peace and joy and contentment. Trusting in God's presence does that. Amen? So how could we be people and grow as people who remember to trust in God's presence even as we are inundated with all those other messages as we live here at the crossroads? Well, I'm convinced that one important way we do that is to do what God told Joshua to do and the Israelites, to read and think about and talk about all the stories of God's faithfulness in the Bible. And note that it's, it's not just reading the Bible, but it's, it's sharing the stories of how God is speaking to us through its words and what it means to us and how it's worked out in practice and, and how we've seen our fa- his faithfulness in our lives too. And then encouraging one another and supporting each other and challenging each other to be strong and courageous because God really is with us. That's how we can stir up in each other both a confidence in God's presence and a hunger for even more of God's presence in our lives. Or maybe it's more of an awareness of God's presence in our lives. A hunger to hear God's voice. You know, a hunger to be immersed in and shaped by and transformed by God's word in the Bible. That's how we're going to remember that God is with us. It's because God's presence uh, is with us that we can be the light of the world. You know, it's because God's presence is with us that we can be a blessing to the whole world. It's because God's presence is with us that we can be strong and courageous as we live here at the crossroads of the earth. God's inviting us to be immersed in his story, to be immersed in the Bible together so that we can grow in our trust in God's presence So can I suggest that as we enter this new year, you would make reading the Bible and thinking about what it says and talking about it with each other something you do, how about every day? (laughs) There's an idea. Wow. So to get you started, we're suggesting that we all read Joshua together as we're in this sermon series using uh, the YouVersion Bible app. That's the icon for YouVersion if you don't have it already. It's a great little Bible app you can get on your phone or other device, whatever. <clears throat> and we're going to use a reading plan. You have to pick a reading plan if you do it. It's called Breakthrough. Um, and I'm not even exactly sure how this works. I think, where's Vanessa? Do, we, do you send out a, you send out, you put out a link or something, right? Because we want to get on the same plans. We're all in it together. So. Yeah, because yeah, that's the advantage. Not only do we read the same things every day, there's a, there's a place in there where you can talk to each other, kind of, chat to each other, and, and tell, you know, and share your thoughts. It'd be a great way to start the year off together. And it, it includes some readings besides Joshua. You know, you can read those or not read those, but at least we can read the Joshua portions together. You know, I think it'd be great. So like I said, if you need help with that, Vanessa's available right after the service to help you with that. It'd be a great way to get immersed in reading the scriptures together as we start a new year and become more aware of God's presence. Amen?
Amen. All right. So we're going to receive the Lord's Supper now, which is uh, another way we receive and experience and, and really confess our need for the presence of Jesus. So if you're online, I encourage you to gather what you need. Uh, here, if we could have four people come up and serve. Uh, we practice open communion, so you are all welcome to come and receive. You'll come up, uh, receive a piece of the bread. You can dip it in the cup if you are comfortable doing so. Uh, if not, that's okay. And we'll start with the back rows and move to the front. You know, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Or you could say, if you remain in me and I in you, you'll be a blessing to the whole world. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus, we confess that we need your presence. Mm-hmm. You know, give us a hunger for that presence, Lord. And just like the branch has no life apart from the vine, apart from you, there is no way we can be the people you created us to be or do the things you created us to do. So we come to receive your presence in this meal this morning, knowing that in your presence we find your grace, your mercy, your love, your strength to do all you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can come. Amen.